Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am the host. This is episode 31 and we're joined by a friend of mine, Rukayat Kolawole, and she is super passionate about women, wellness and wealth. The empowerment of women and their wealth is incredibly important in the context of family businesses. In this conversation, Rukayat drops an amazing wisdom bomb where she says, empowered women empower generations. So this conversation is not just about you as a woman, but really about how you are able to empower generations to come. So tune in and enjoy. Thank you. Hi, Rukayat. Thank you so much for coming on The Connected Generation. Pleasure all mine. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So you are the founder of Pace Up Invest, a wealth coaching service for women. Can you just explain your journey into this space and why you're so passionate about women and wealth? Yeah. So actually, Pace Up Invest is a a holistic uh, platform. So it's both coaching, advisory and uh, investing. So regarding my journey into wealth uh, coaching for women and why I'm so passionate about it. So I grew up in Nigeria, as you know, so I'm British Nigerian, living with my family in Mannheim. And I'm very passionate about empowering women when it comes to financial independence. And um, we need to build wealth via financial independence, basically. So I remember growing up in Nigeria and every Friday before I went to boarding school and during some holidays while in boarding school, I would visit my grandmother in a township. She was a gold trader and would often buy gold from Ghana and sell in Nigeria. And on Fridays, I would then follow her to the bank to deposit some gold. And in the evening, she would gather around other women under the tree and talk about their week. They would then donate some money and give um, uh, this handful of money to some women who needed it most for their specific goals. And at some point, this woman will have to pay it back with interest. This was where I understood the basics and empowering women via money and the power of community. And this translates into wealth building. So I moved to, when I moved to the UK, I was uh, working in a heavily male-dominated financial sector in London. I quickly mm. realized that women are often left behind when it comes to financial literacy, confidence, and investments. I began to talk with uh, many women, and it became apparent that most women were left behind because when it comes to investing and it has to do with gaps in financial literacy in women as well as low confidence, they're also keen to having a a form of platform with that stereotype to help them invest confidently. They wanted to build their own wealth. And Mm -hmm. as a black woman, I had experienced, I had myself experienced the feeling of being left out of the financial conversation and I decided Mm -hmm. to be part of the change. So that was why I embarked on building the business that addresses financial education, coaching, and investing gap. And thus, PaySup Invest was born. So basically, PaySup Invest provides a holistic approach to investing in financial and non-financial assets. 
built on three pillars of digitalization, empowerment, and diversity. It is very important when we talk about wealth building in women, because we have to understand that we have differentiated needs, preferences, and behaviors when it comes to man managing our finances. And wealth coaching is one of the services that we provide to ensure women build the required wealth that they need. And I'm very passionate about this because I believe that empowering women via wealth building empowers the generations to come. Mm. And building wealth and being financially well is an assessment for how confident and comfortable you are in addressing both short-term and long-term goals while feeling secure along the way. So this is the it kind of tells you the story of why I started. So it's back, uh, traces back to my family background, uh, mm. the women that were very, very much entrepreneurs and wealth builders for their families. So this is why I embarked on this and want to make a change as well. That's incredible. You mentioned so many things about the importance of financial literacy, women being left behind, women lacking confidence in this space. And the fact that we have different needs. Can you explain those, what those different needs are a little bit more and speak to the challenges we women face when it comes to the way we view money and how we can overcome these challenges? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So regarding different needs, so basically as women, we have different needs than men. So we have different lifestyle, different life circles, and ultimately we're differentiated in, into different segments when it comes to the type of women that we are. And most of the time, women need someone to be empathetic when they're discussing their finances, not necessarily want to be all the time numbers focused. They want someone that will be empathetic, that can walk in their shoes and listen mm -hmm. and take time to actually and be patient with them when they're discussing their needs. Because most of the time, we women, we like to tell stories as well to help yeah. who we're telling the story to, to resonate with us in order to provide us with the, the best service. So that is why when most women are choosing financial advisors, they tend to look for those that will be able to listen to them and appreciate their unique values and circumstances that this is different. Women are not looking for a different products from men. What they want is for this product to actually satisfy and work towards their different values. So some women prefer to invest in, in women-led projects or looking at, for example, gender-led uh, products and investments. Some don't. So once we start really understanding what uh, what women want, as a, I, I wouldn't say it as a marketing opportunity because this is wrong. It should be a business opportunity because we we are, after all, half of the population of the world. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, we need to sit down to think about the needs and help women to achieve their needs according to what they're trying to achieve. So this is, this is why I, I mentioned that we have different, different needs and we also have different behaviors when it comes to investing. Regarding the challenges that women face uh, when it comes to the way they view money, we all come from different cultural backgrounds, right? I have different yeah. views of money. Really, there is no one size fits all. So my challenge will be different from your challenge, from another person's challenge. I believe that the most important thing to know is our relationship with money. Basically, financial health or wellness includes like spending money based on your values, 
having low or reasonable debt, saving money to meet your goals and having a safety net, such as an emergency fund or insurance. For example, our financial relationship stems from childhood because this is when we develop what we call money scripts, according to a financial psychology called uh, clones. He said that these are beliefs about money which drive our financial behavior and are usually we're not aware of them. So there are different types of money scripts in the way that we can, uh, in, in a way that we tend to have a relationship with money. So for example, we have some that are direct experience from family stories as well as parental attitudes. Mm. So there, there are specifically some money scripts such as money is unimportant or rich people are greedy. Some people have this money avoidance script. Hmm. Another type is money worship scripts, such as more money will make me happier. And you have money status scripts, such as your self-worth equals your net worth. And these Hmm. are all associated with poor financial incomes. So how can we improve our relationship with money? In this sense, what we can do is we can go back to interview our family members and asking them about their early experiences with money, because every family has a story around money and family money scripts all make sense where we know the story. The next is to kind of recall what our earliest money memory is. For example, asking questions like, what are your most joyful memory around money? What is your most painful memory around money? What lessons about money did we learn? So in my case, for example, I learned money, uh, how relationship with money and how money works for my grandmother because I saw what she was doing. She, mm. she would uh, travel to buy gold, sell the gold, and then put the money and lend it to women uh, to help them to afford their, their causes. So I realized the importance of having some form of money anyway. And then another aspect is, People have poor relationship with money because they have uh, misinformation or lack of information as well. In this sense, to, we need to become more informed. So that is why financial education is really, really important for us mm. to have in order to just the basics. You don't need to be an expert when it comes to finance, but just the basics to be able to run your day to day life and be able to plan for the future as well in this instance. So I would say, I believe that by improving our relationship with money, we can overcome our individual circumstances that we face, which are unique in its sense, because we all face different uh, challenges. So there is no uh, generalized challenges that I would say, but from looking at our relationship with money, that we can kind of work around uh, the challenges that we are facing. Wow. So you said like we women have a different kind of, need for a financial advisor we mm-hmm. really want someone more empathetic and we desire more storytelling and i think that's i never actually thought about it but i think it's so apt we tend to not desire transactional services mm-hmm. and we really are about the experience and um, the journey obviously not to generalize but you know on the exactly. whole exactly yeah and the trust as well so you want to make sure you're trusting uh your the person you're entrusting your money with basically Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah i think i think that's what and then you mentioned how we have different scripts as individuals our money and also as families i was just thinking what happens if for instance you go into business 
with someone that has different values with regards to money, how do you, or you marry someone with different values or different scripts with regards to money, how do you manage that um, partnership? That's a, a tough question, but I will try to answer that. So regarding going into, into, uh, into business with someone that has a different value when it comes to money scripts, I would say in going into business, you should be looking at someone that has the same value as yourself, right? Otherwise, that this is, how, this is what I believe. Otherwise, it's, things might not work out. If they have a different value towards money or if they, if they view uh, money differently from how you view it and maybe it's detrimental to the, the future of the business on, on how it scales, these are important conversations that one needs, needs to ask before starting the partnership uh, within, uh, for the business because once you're in the business, you have to make sure you're, because at the end of the day, you look at the business like it's, it's kind of a marriage as well because yeah, you're sure. in it, exactly. You have to mm. make sure who you're going into business with. You have similar values, similar um, uh, alignment, similar vision and mission because I think it's very important when you're going to the business to have the same vision and mission. And I think from this vision and mission, then you can then discuss what the values are to see if it's aligned not to go into business with someone that will potentially run out the business in the next six months because they don't know how to handle finances. And even if that is, they don't know how to handle finances or money or they have a, a different way of money script, this has to be um, ironed out at the beginning to know how you're going to mitigate because there's always risk anyway. You need to think how you're going to mitigate any form of future risk that is coming, so any form of contingencies, because this is very important. We might not know everything about a person, but you have to make sure you kind of protect yourself in that sense. And when you talk about money uh, with uh, your spouses, again, it's important to have this discussion before you go into marriage. How do you want your finances to be like? Are you going to have a, a shared portfolio or do you want to have separate, separate portfolio? Are you going to have a, a shared um, uh, uh, bank account or are you going to have different bank accounts? So this is very important to talk about money because most marriages, they don't, most be, before people go into marriages, most people don't talk about finances. And this is really, really important because we've seen time and time again, when um, marriages dissolve or people get divorced, the, the surprising things that come, come out of it is, oh, I didn't know about this amount of finances that my husband has or this amount of money that my, my wife has. So we should table all that in the beginning to, to discuss what kind of relationship we have with money and we'll be able to work together with it in a marriage if it's possible. I think it's really, really important to start before one gets married to discuss yeah. money, relationship with money and how you handle money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned scripts and you mentioned some scripts associated with kind of poor financial management. Mm -hmm. Are there scripts associated with the opposite, like how to, you know, with those people that are really good with money, do they have any particular, do they tend to have any particular scripts? Um, no, I haven't uh, researched on that and uh, read those ones. Uh, the ones that uh, are really out there are mainly just uh, uh, kind of scripts that 
specify why people have uh how do i say bad relationship with money basically that have poor financial outcomes mm. so i haven't really seen the good one it might be out there somewhere so it's for me to then research and check and see but most of the time it's usually money scripts that are associated with poor financial outcomes poor financial outcomes mm-hmm. okay okay And I was reading on Forbes and there was an article that said that the new wellness trend for women is wealth. Do you agree? Indeed, I do agree because I believe when we're wealthy and then wealth, being wealthy is also kind of subjective, is that we can take care of our short-term and long-term needs. And this will actually reduce our anxiety and we'll feel more secure and empowered. Because again, like I mentioned, empower women, em- empowered women, empower generations to come. And recently I read a UBS survey that in fact, more than 80% of women globally are highly involved in short-term finances, such as daily expenses, budgeting, and cash flow. However, 60% do not engage in most important aspects of their financial well-being, which is investing, insurance, retirement and other long-term planning and we need to start doing this more to ensure that we have good financial well-being and ultimately again the new wellness trend for women is wealth once we're able to build wealth then we'll be able to have uh, a good financial well-being when it comes to planning for the future so i i think this this actually uh is very spot on regarding mm-hmm. uh what uh fob says on 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 the wellness trend being work sorry the wellness trend for women being wealth we need to build mm. more wealth i'm going to start thinking of wealth building and not to think of wealth as something that is negative but something that is positive because we are, we are living longer and we need to make sure we have assets that we're not outliving but the assets are actually taking care of us when we are at that old age mm. you said something that was you just dropped a huge wisdom bomb in the middle of all what you just said you said empowered women empower generations to come can you unpack that and explain what you mean by that? So when, when, what I mean is by women, when women are empowered, be it financially, be it uh, social empowerment, be it whatever kind of empowerment it is, we tend to pass that on to our kids, right? Because we are the first point of contact of learning for our kids. Our kids will always mimic what we are doing. And if they see what we are doing as being empowered, they become more empowered themselves. For example, when kids start growing up, they watch you, right? They imitate Mm. you. So even if you tell them to do something, (laughs) they might not do it. But if if they watch you doing something like, oh, okay, uh, let me try this as well. So in that sense, we teach our kids a lot and not just only the kids, but also within the community as well. When, when a lot of girls start saying more empowered women in leadership and business, they will say, wow, I see this person, I can actually attain to be this. So when it comes to actually uh, uh, financial empowerment, meaning they have, they have all the know-how and the access to be able to make their own financial decisions, ultimately they pass this on to their kids as well and they, they, they tend to be able to build their wealth and pass it on as intergenerational wealth transfer, which is very, very important. And I feel as women, we don't do that a lot uh, when compared to, to men. So we need to start thinking about intergenerational wealth transfer, but it's when we become financially empowered that we can then be more empowered to pass this down 
to our kids and then our kids will become more empowered and it's it's like a trickling effect right it just keeps going on and on and on so that mm-hmm. that was what i meant by empowerment empower generations to come because we are the teachers we are the first line of teaching for our kids and people in the community as well that's powerful and like if i'm a young mom and i have a few children do you have any tips or any any specific things as a mom we should be trying to pass on to our children in terms of trying to have this legacy of financial empowerment so the tips that i can have is obviously to depending on the age of the kids as well you can start maybe talking to them about just the basics of of uh financial literacy which is for example like interest how interest rates work you can talk to them about okay this uh uh, a certain country is, uh, is, is, is uh, raising bond and just explain something very simple just to make them interested as, as well in, in, in how money works. You can give them money and say, okay, if I add more money to this, what do you think is going to increase? Is it going to decrease? If I give you more money and you don't spend it and then we put it in an account and it grows a certain percentage, what do you think will happen? We also need to talk about expenses and um and earnings as well so we should not just teach our kids uh that certain certain line of um ambition or occupation is only for men or boys and certain is for girls so we need to start looking at a whole spectrum of different aspects so you can talk to the girls and say look you can also study finance maths because you do have differences in culture again when it comes to cultural breakdown of what uh, the culture is telling the, the female to study and what the culture is telling the male to study. So we need to start talking to our kids and showing them like things that both sexists can do, like if, what, whatever a man can do, a woman can do better, that's the saying. So from teaching our kids, for example, what I teach my kid, she's, on, she's nearly three, she has a piggy bank and then we say, okay, you put this money in today and then just keep it. And maybe if, if you don't break it in the next one year or something, mommy will give you an extra money into it. So that is what you call interest. I know this, she's still very early, but then she's understanding money gradually. So I think it's individual based as well. You can see like depending on the age. So if, for example, you're thinking about school age, going on to university, it's very, very important to start teaching them personal finance right now because there's so much up there there's so many apps out there and if we don't understand the apps that kids are using for example to because it's easy to get loans and things right now if they don't understand it then they might run into serious debt and an example that i would give it's uh, what happened with the with the robin hood um uh, client that uh, committed suicide because they did not understand the sort of trading it was embarking on. So this is all in the okay. news anyway. So we need to make sure we educate our kids on personal finance starting from when they're very young to understand the basics of financial literacy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. How did you become so financial, financially literate? Oh, I did because <laughs> from working in uh, investment banking, I would say. <laughs> And reading uh, lots of, um, but I, I, I will also say again, it's, it's right from uh, when I was in primary school, secondary school, I love numbers. 
And I remember when I was in secondary school, I just loved reading uh, financial news. Uh, quite weird, but yes, <laughs> that was my passion in that sense. And that that surprise, surprise, that it surprised me in the sense that uh, I decided to go work in investment banking because it was just very fascinating, the whole financial industry, how you can make money, how you can build wealth and the fantastic things that you can help people as well. So this is how I became financial literate uh, via reading as well. I read a lot, uh, a lot of uh, books. Uh, for example, uh, there's, a, there's a book that I read when I was a graduate at Goldman Sachs. It's called Intelligence Investor by, um, by uh, Graham, uh, uh, Benjamin Graham. Uh, he is actually, he was actually uh, Warren Buffett's mentor. So I read the book and it just changed my perception about investing and finances and everything. And ever since then, I've just loved uh, when it comes to money, investing, finances, and I'm trying to help more people to get on board with this because at the end of the day, it's what you do with your money to help it grow that you can build wealth. Just living on a living wage does not uh, help you grow wealth. You have to make your money work and you have to become financial literate so that you actually understand what you're doing as well. In as much as having the expertise help you along the way, it's very important to also be financially literate. Yes, I completely agree. And I'm going to throw a controversial question at you. <laughs> oh, yes. So in, in your situation, you, you took a lot of initiative to, to become financially liter- literate through reading and, and things like that. So some people in, might be saying, what's all this? Like, why should we have to create a whole new kind of subsect of an industry specifically for women? Why can't they self-teach? Why can't they pick up a book and become more financially literate and become more confident so, you know, they're not left behind? Why, why in your view, is it important for professionals like yourself to dedicate their, their services specifically for women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a good question. I mentioned, you touched on the points of being confident. Um, actually, there is a study out there that, sh- that shows that the more educated the woman becomes, the less confident she becomes when it comes to her money. And when it wow. comes to, yeah, really? when it comes to, yes, when it comes to financial literacy, which is quite, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that is quite That's interesting. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you feel like you know so much in one area, right? Another area, you feel less confident when it comes to that. So that is why it's very, very important to, to teach, to educate, and to also coach as well. Because look, look at it, for example, like most people have life coaches. Look at financial coach or wealth coach as a subset of kind of like a life coach, but it's very, very, uh, how do I say, unique and personalized in that sense. Because it's looking at just one aspect of your life that is extremely, extremely important. Because yet again, we are all living longer and we don't earn as much. So we need to start educating ourselves. I mean, most women, they they might decide they don't really need it. If you have lots of money, you can just get the financial advisors to do that for you. But most women, they want to actually understand what they're doing so that they can can be more of an active participant into it. The thing is, for example, now, so you mentioned why dedicating 
while dedicating time to help women to do that. It's the same that you talk to a lawyer, say, why dedicating so much time to help this uh, person when it comes to, I don't know, divorce proceedings. So everybody has their own specialty. We cannot be, we can be generalists, but then when it comes to, when you're talking about money and specialties, you, you still need the specialties to help you to manage your money, but it's very, very important for you to understand exactly what has been done because that, that is when you get more, uh, uh, how do I say it, empowered and also more confident and more comfortable to let your money go and work for you. Otherwise, you, you, you keep hold of, of the money and not want to make it grow if you don't understand what is going on. So that's why it's really, really important mm. uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to financial education and when mm. it comes to coaching and also when it comes to financial advisory to make it uh, very personalized for each woman on the, because we all have different journeys, right? We all have different journeys to make it personalized and to see exactly what the individual goal is and what they're trying to achieve, basically. And financial literacy, is, it's really, really important because those that are financially literate end up saving for their retirement, end up having mm. investments. They don't fall. They understand compounding interest, simple interest, so they don't take unnecessary loans that they will then end up in huge debts. They mm. know when to take out loan at a low interest rate in order to further a purpose, maybe to build a business or to do something. So all this they understand and they're able to withstand uh, life uh, circumstances that might be thrown at them. So it's really, really important that we, we, we educate women on, on, on this aspect because it's actually really lacking when you compare mm. the men to the women, the, the gap in the financial literacy, it's, it's really, really lower in men, sorry, in women. And we have to make sure... Uh, more women uh, uh, get more financially literate and move from the mindset of saving to investing because that is really important. We tend to be huge savers. We tend to yeah. love budgeting, but then when yeah. it comes to investing, we're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's important to, to help with that mindset and overcome that fear of investing to move them from the savings mode into the investing mode. That's, that's so apt. like, even just thinking about myself and my husband, I love, 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 love saving. But then when it comes to taking the plunge and investing and he starts suggesting what we should invest in, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, we're going to lose all this money. Like, so apt. Um, and just to clarify, I, I definitely am for coaching and helping women with their wealth. I was just trying to be controversial. Oh yeah, oh good. I love it. I love controversy. <laughs> just trying to pick your fights. Um, <laughs> and so you lived in, you grew up in Nigeria and then you moved to the UK and then to Germany. Just thinking from, you know, your observations with regards to Nigerian women and money, are there any stark differences you know, between the patterns you see out in Germany or in the UK compared to Nigerian women? Are they more financially independent? Are they less? Are there any specific issues they face? Mm. So when it comes to uh, financial independence, uh, I would say that um, UK women are more financially independent as opposed to 
German women, and I hope I don't get into trouble saying this, <laughs> but that it's really? true because really? because yeah because um UK women uh they tend to they tend to go back to work pretty quickly after having kids, and uh, for example in Germany, seventy five percent of the working women of working uh working age women actually work. So seventy five percent of people that within the working age work. And after the seventy five percent, only fifty percent work part time, right? So you're even reducing it down to like the money that stays in the hand of 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 the average German woman. But then there is there will always be. So this is mean, right? So there will be uh, outliers in that sense. But from my observation, you tend I, I what I've realized from living in the uk and germany is uk women are more financially independent and more financially uh savvy and uh uh, uh i would say literate because uh, there is a survey out there that, that breaks down the financial literacy and all that german women are very very financial literacy but when it comes to independence i'm not too sure i still need more data to look into that but then you can kind of look at it from from the statistics of the gender pay gap, right? The gender pay gap in Germany is 21%, as opposed to uh, the, the gender pay gap in, uh, in UK, I think it is about, um, it's not, it's, I think it's about 14%, I can't mm-hmm. remember, but mm-hmm. let me get back to you on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, no, one second. In the UK, it is, 19.9 percent so it's, it's about close it's about close mm-hmm. but then when, when you then talk about the the gap the gender uh pension gap in germany is 37 percent and the eu average is 30 so i'm basing the gap between the pay and the retirement to kind of mm-hmm. think about how financially independent are they i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot germany is a very very rich country but then it's still very much uh, in the hands of men, basically. And there is a lot of, uh, lot of initiative and work going on to, to empower more women. So you do have lots of this uh, women empowerment as well, women communities, women um, uh, associations, trying to get more women into uh, entrepreneurs as well, because the startup uh, scene in Germany is still very much male. So we're trying to get, we're seeing more women coming up. So I hope to see a change very shortly regarding this. When, when you talk about Nigeria now, um because nigeria you you expected to you you have a community that helps you to look after your kids when you have when you have kids right so you can get back into work pretty quickly i mm. can't really speak when it comes to financial literacy it's actually really really low because um it's still it's classified as uh, still a developing country compared to developed countries the financial literacy is extremely low why is that? Because you have Nigeria is huge, and we have you know the houses, Ibus, and Yorubas. So you tend to put everybody together, and some regions can be more financial literate uh, compared to others. But then by mm. the time you put it all together, it's kind of lowers the number basically. So mm. regarding financial literacy, it's it's low compared to 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 most developing countries. And the gap as well between men and women is kind of low as well. But I tend to see a lot of entrepreneurs in Nigeria. Mm. Uh, and uh, you have two types of entrepreneurs, right? You have those out of opportunity and those out of necessity. But then you tend to see more of those out of necessity as opposed to uh, opportunities. 
but then I feel like with time it will it will uh, swing back the other way and it will be more of opportunities as opposed to be more of necessities. So regarding uh, attitude to money and financial literacy, there's still work that needs to be done globally, basically. Some mm. countries have it better than others, but then we just need to get more women because there is still the gap between men and women. We just need to get more women to become more uh, confident and, uh, and, and more, uh, how do I say, it's comfortable when it comes to uh, moving their money from savings to investing, basically. So which mm. is what we're trying to do with the coaching and providing education as well. Excellent. And in Nigeria, we have the highest rate of female entrepreneurship globally. Exactly. To BBC, we have exactly. 40% of the businesses are female owned, mm-hmm. right? So with business owners, how do you have any tips for business owners on how they can create a diversified portfolio to create more financial security? You know, in as a business owner, cash flow can be erratic mm-hmm. you know it's not as certain plain and tidy as when you're a salaried worker where you get your alert at the end of the month and you know you know what you're gonna get pretty mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. when you're working um do you have any tips for any female business owners that you know are trying to navigate creating more financial security mm-hmm. so what, what i would say because obviously like you mentioned the cash flow is not uh certain I will first of all say to work towards having uh, a cushion, an emergency fund first, uh, so that if there is any problem, you have access to that fund for any emergency, for any contingencies that is personal to you, have the emergency fund. I usually say um, six to 12 months, but then it depends on each individual and where you are at some point in your life. So have that, and then you can start to put some money aside depending on what you have as uh as uh, uh how do i say as liquid cash and then you have to look at if you have any form of investment portfolios right make sure that it is not within the same industry as your business because in that sense you're just exposing yourself to a concentrated risk for example let's say you have a business in pharmaceuticals don't have your investment portfolio in another company in pharmaceuticals, basically, because that is like a a positive correlation. Look for a negative correlation when you want to invest in in other businesses. And also to look at, uh, it's also very, very important in the sense that to have a holistic view of what you're trying to, to do. So try to look at what your financial goals are, basically, and that will help you to kind of develop the right portfolio for you so as not to be too overly concentrated in a certain asset class or in a certain business or in a certain uh, risk profile, basically. So look at it on a holistic basis, have a separate portfolio, that is an investment portfolio, separate it from your business. But the first and foremost is to have this cushion that you can have access to in case of any emergencies to make sure you have access to this. And then mm-hmm. you work with an expert to make sure you're actually building a portfolio that will help you on the long term, irrespective of of how your business does to help you. Because if, if you put everything into your business and your business goes 
caput one day and you don't have anything mm-hmm. as a backup, that is mm-hmm. not that is not uh, very good. So work with uh, a specialist to make sure it's decorrelated, basically. Yeah. So it's the decorrelation of your investment portfolio from your business portfolio. Mm. And FX is a major, you know, risk area as well, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. My last question for you. In you've established pace up invest and you're doing wealth advisory coaching and investing with women in 15 20 years what do you want to see in this space um, what's your vision for women and their wealth and uh, what's your vision for your for pace up so my vision for pace up is obviously to to be um to have empowered a lot of women, right? For lots of women that are clients of PaySup to be wealthy, to be wealthy in their own rights, to be empowered, to be financially independent, not just in Europe, but in other countries because we're looking to scale the business. And another thing is, as wealth managers, we kind of need to know that women's segment is not a marketing opportunity, like I mentioned, but a business opportunity. And we need to personalize uh, the approach to meet their specific needs and priorities of individual clients, because then we'll be empowering more women to build wealth in that sense. And what I'm looking for is I'm actually looking forward to helping more women to build wealth via the financial education, coaching, and investing, not only for themselves, but for the intergenerational. And I would love to see a lot of women and women of color and different types of women, basically, notwithstanding of their color, to, to become more financially independent. Because I believe, again, in each circumstances in different countries, we all have different challenges that we're going through, but hoping that we'll be able to touch at least on a certain amount of women that would have moved from one stage in their life of saving to investing and building that asset to become wealthy so they don't have to rely on anyone or they don't have to they don't have to uh be in uh, on the they don't have to ensure they, they, they can withstand any kind of contingencies money contingencies that come their way so they are not uh exposed to to financial uh, risks, such, such as risk at retirement, where they will then be outliving their assets and living in poverty, because that will be the gravest sin ever. So the plan is to make sure most women have the assets to do whatever they want to do and be financially empowered. Incredible. I love the fact that you brought up the point that this isn't a marketing gimmick, but it's really a mission to empower women to empower generations and your authenticity and passion really came through it seems like this is like your life mission from the role of your grandmother watching her you know from her entrepreneurial journey and her investing journey and to where you are now so thank you that was yeah you're welcome and one quick thing because you mentioned uh, the fact that uh Nigerian women are the like the highest um, largest number of entrepreneurs in the world which is uh, really true and I was just reading something recently about the Yoruba culture especially the culture that we belong to uh, we mm. actually um, Yoruba culture so basically we have what we call the 
I, I guess this stems out from why we are very entrepreneur when, when it comes to our culture as Yoruba. So, you know, the goddess Ajay is, is like the deity mm. of the marketplace. And uh, it provides an example of the importance of womanhood in, in Yoruba culture. And Ajay represents female power throughout many facets of the Yoruba life, including economic, domestic, religious, as well as political spheres. And these expressions of culturally grounded female power within Yoruba land are extremely um, they're exemplary of the dynamic mm. gender structure in, in our culture. And we tend to, like Yoruba women have been able to harness female power to their advantage throughout, mm. the, yeah, throughout the Yoruba land over time. So I think that's why you tend to see a lot of um, Yoruba women as well being uh, entrepreneurs. So I was just, I just thought this was really, really important. Like it was yeah. really fascinating just reading through it. And cause I, that's why I don't really see that much gender bias when it comes to Yoruba culture in that sense, because we, we've had this Ajay as a deity of the marketplace. And mm -hmm. looking back now, it just takes me back to my grandmother and uh, how she was conducting her business as well. So yeah, just wanted to, slide that in for slide that in for a whole <laughs> conversation because I have, I have some comments on that it's really interesting you bring that up because yeah. we have strong prominent traditionally women in like you said in southwest were not they they had wealth and power mm. like they had roles like Yaoloja. Um, they owned lots of land they, mm. they had a lot of wealth and it was mm. a friend of mine did a documentary looking at the colonial history of women, it actually was a lot of the wealth and the powers were taken away when the British came in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Victorian Britain was quite sexist. Mm -hmm. So they came in and they took away women's ability to own land and different powers. So it's, it's really interesting that you, you, you turn us back to history that you know, history actually says that we, we were powerful. History says that we were wealthy and, mm -hmm. um, and not just in Southwest, actually, in other parts of the country as well. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother. And, and in Southeast as well, the Republic yeah, of South... Benin. Mm -hmm. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. They led a lot of movements. They yeah. were extremely vocal and um, not just economically, mm -hmm. politically as well. So mm -hmm. it, it's really interesting, you know, your... your one of your opening lines, empowered women, empowered generations. So mm -hmm. how can we get back to that legacy of truly empowered women so that we can really empower um, our future generations? Because mm -hmm. we do have a huge problem of poverty um, mm -hmm. in, in, in the country and on the continent at large. So mm -hmm. yeah, maybe we'll have another conversation on that one. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Rikayans. Should anyone you. want to get in contact with you, how can they best reach you? So they can reach me on uh, my website is uh, paysupinvest.com and uh, my email address is there. Uh, they can reach me via there or book a session with me. So but the, the best way is to go to uh, paysupinvest.com or they can uh, check me on LinkedIn as well. So my uh, full name is Rukaya Atsumudipe Kolawale on LinkedIn. So yeah. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. You're most welcome. And thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm humbled. Much appreciated. Wow, that was so good. I so wish we had two hours to really unpack it because there are so many layers, particularly thinking about our history 
where we're coming from and where we're going towards, right? I really enjoyed that conversation where Rukayat was reminding us that in Africa, actually, we have strong antecedents of wealthy women, entrepreneurial women that built wealth. And so we have a lot of potential, really, to transform generations, as Rukaya was explaining. And it reminds me of a quote that my friend Sissy always says. She always says, we women are life givers, we are nurturers, we have the power and the potential to transform. And so let's really aspire towards this true fullness of wealth and wellness. Because I think in society, there's been a lot of rhetoric about wealth is indulging. It really is not. It's not about self. It's about empowerment outside of self. Empowerment of your direct descendants and your descendants to come. Because as a woman, you play such an important role. I'll have to do another conversation with Rukayat because there were so many other directions I wanted to go in, but we ran out of time. So stay tuned. She'll be back. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.